So this is a big picture analysis. Um, I analyze various asset classes each week. Um, so I'm just going to go into depth a little bit on some of the asset classes. And this will be cool because I haven't done this type of analysis, um, in-depth analysis in a while. So uh, we're going to start with the, the dollar. Uh, why the dollar? Um, it's the world currency. Uh, became the world currency 60 years ago. The Bretton Woods Agreement, which said that uh, the U.S. dollar was backed by the by the gold, and all the currencies were pegged to the dollar. You know, since then, uh, USD got off of the gold standard, but all currencies and asset classes um, trade in U.S. dollars. So, whenever I try to do analysis. I always look at the dollar first. So the dollar had its, I think its worst month uh, in 10 years in uh, July. All right, this is a big picture. Um, I analyze the charts using three time frames. Um, because I'm a macro swing trader, I use monthly, uh, weekly, and daily. Um, so as you can see, let me see if I still have Neil's. Uh, no, I don't have his price target up there, 125 or something like that. But all right, so you know why I choose monthly demand and supply? It's pretty much where price stopped going higher, turned lower, where price stopped turning lower and started going higher. So you know I'm calling the floor $90, uh, the ceiling as of now 101, 102. So that's the monthly chart. That's the floor and that's the ceiling. If we go down to the weekly, uh, my weekly time frames, I use it as a, a trend um, time frame. So obviously in April of 2018, the dollar was trending up. Um, but then paused at this uh, monthly supply and then started on its downtrend. So I would say that the uptrend has been broken. Um, I wouldn't say we're in a downtrend yet. I would say the momentum is down. Uh, but until we get uh, a lower high, another lower low, or at least another lower high, um, I would say that potentially we have a, a trend reversal. Let's go down to the daily. So this is interesting. Um, this is somewhat um, freestyle. Um, I haven't looked at this as of yet. So um, Neil or, or, or Cal, can you can you see anything with the price action? I'll say. Do you see anything? Anything that stands out? Yeah, it's a potential double bottom. There you go. There you go. So, what is that blue? Is that a ten period? This is a thirteen and a twenty-six. Okay. So you know, double bottom, potential reversal after this huge sell-off from hundred. Potentially, what yeah. I'd like to see is that pivot high taken out yep. um, a close on a daily candle 
above that to potentially say that we might be going higher from there, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what else I got? Okay, so let's go to – I posted this this morning. second so this is one analysis i do weekly and i call this forex relative strength analysis right um i look at the the yen swiss franc euro new zealand dollar aussie dollar they call us the looney the cad dollar and the sterling british pound all these i compare to the dollar uh what's interesting is that uh, the dollar is a safe haven, so is the yen, and so is the franc. But it's interesting that the euro has a relative strength of seven uh, because the euro has all their issues, uh, probably in worse shape than the U.S. But the U.S. index is a, is a basket of commodities, basket of currencies, um, and, the, and it consists of about 40, 50, 60 percent of the the euro so we saw the huge drop in the dollar which is why we see a huge move in the euro which is why the relative strength is comparable to the safe havens so if I wanted to place a trade trade one currency against the other um, in this case I would trade the yen against the British pound right so let's go there Again, the yen was the weakest, and the, I'm sorry, the yen was the, the strong of the strongest, and the pound was the weakest. So let's go to big picture. I always look at the big picture first. And I'll say that, uh, I'll use my football analogy. So the monthly is like flying over the stadium in a, in a jet, right? Big picture. Of what's going on down below so monthly supply 160 monthly demand 119 right again that's your your floor and your ceiling big picture so let's go down to the weekly it's uh what would you guys say turning up down sideways range bound Range bound? Yeah, I would say range bound as well. So I don't really like, because I'm a swing trader, I don't really like trading uh, when it's range bound except for the extremes because all this is, you know, you can get chopped up in here, right? Uh, but if I wanted to put on a day trade, um, my big picture would be the the daily chart. Where then I would go down to a an hourly or fifteen minute to place a trade. So as you can see, let me circle this. And I don't know when I marked up this chart, but when if I did, you know, price could have been here, price could have been coming up. I don't know. I don't remember. But you had daily supply at about the 138 and so what did price do 
comes up, wicks above, and pulls back. You have daily demand at 132. What did price do when it returned? Uh, reacted, double bottom. Kind of like the dollar, we start getting closes above this pivot. That was your opportunity to go long. Where I would have went long on this one would have been right here. Why? Because price broke this pivot high, based, rallied, pulled back, and then it continued higher. All right, so let's go back to the just another pair. I want to trade currencies. I'm saying, okay, what's my strongest? What's my weakest? So let's look at the Swiss franc versus the pound. Now, Swiss franc, I don't trade a lot. Um, not a lot of liquidity, um, but it can and, and does move against other currencies at times. So, you know, it's been, this is going back, this is 2012. This is a monthly. Um, it's moved uh, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 3,000 pips, uh, whereas the, the British pound uh, yen can do this, can make that same move, you know, in, in a couple of months, right? But nevertheless, let's just go back and analyze it. I'll take you through how I analyze charts. So just, uh, just to interject one second. Yeah, and please, please um, chime in as you as as, as we go along. You know, cur currency charts can be very confusing for people just because they don't know uh, which way they're looking at the pair. Good point. Um, so, like on this chart, it's it's British pound against the Swiss franc. So, the, so the lower that chart goes, the stronger the franc is. Correct. Right. Okay. So, so whenever you see whatever currency is stated first, that's considered the base pair. And the second currency is going to trade relative to, uh, in this case, the pound. So good point, Neil. All right, so this is the monthly chart. You know, I'm flying over the stadium in my in my uh, G5. <laughs> um, here's how I would look at the charts. You know, where did price um, stop going higher, started going lower? Kind of about right here. It's reacting to this monthly supply here. It's, it's ugly, but it's still a monthly supply. And this is the lowest that this pair has been. Uh, this was back in uh, March of this year. So I don't really have demand. So what I would do in this case is use my pivot lows You know there's buyers there because price stopped and went higher. So those will be my floor and ceiling when I fly over the stadium. Let's just analyze this a little bit closer. Go to the weekly. Um, you, know, you could say lower high. Lower low, lower high, lower low. So although it appears range bound, 
it's, it's the downtrend. It's trending down. Again, these are the same one wick we saw in the monthly is two wicks on the the weekly, right? So if I was trying to trade this, I would say, okay, if price retraced back to the 1.12, 1.14, that's where I consider going long. And I see this drop, price pauses, and then the sellers take over again, which is why when price went higher, it dropped because there were sellers here. Let me just uh, pad that so we can look a little closer. Let's go down to the daily chart. So you can see the basing, I'll call it indecision, where we had a battle with the buyers and sellers. But eventually the sellers won, which pushed price all the way down to this, I'll call this this monthly demand. So what did price do when it came back? Uh, it didn't enter the zone, but these wicks told you that there were sell orders. Just waiting. Unfilled sell orders. So when price came back, uh, wicked into the zone, it filled some of those unfilled sell orders, and we dropped. So how I would look at this is I would say uh, it's been range bound since, what's this, April of this year. Um, me, I like to play the extremes. So if price gets to uh, this 123, I would look to short. Uh, if price gets below 1.16, uh, I would be interested in buying. So let's go down to the four hour chart, which if I want to decrease my, my risk, this is where I try to put on my sniper hat and find a an entry where I can minimize my risk. Blow this up. So I would be interested if I would be interested if price got down to the 1.14 uh, currencies, uh, they look at it in terms of uh, uh, 10 cent increments. Uh, 114 is a whole number. Uh, but the reason why I like this zone here is because you have evidence of buyers based on that wick there. So we had, um, let's see here. Some people will say, let me uh, change that color. Ah, oh, it's okay. Some people will say, 
you have a W pattern. trading I'm looking for M patterns and W patterns you can call that double bottom you can I can call it a drop base rally uh, whatever you want to call it it's a uh, this is where the buyer stepped in so let me just zoom into that what I call is have a drop, a base, a rally, base where the buyers and the sellers were battling, and the price moved higher. The sellers stepped in, won the battle short term, but then the buyers stepped back in. So if I zoom back out to the daily, I want to minimize my risk. I am a buyer at 1.14. I am a seller at 1.23. So that's how I analyze any asset class, any chart. Um, you know, I know the cat man, he's more of a shorter term relative to me. So if I go down to the hourly chart and I squeeze this up, uh, I would say potentially people who are day trading. I would consider right, it's kind of playing the range playing the ranges not to say that they would work <laughs> now why did I pick these these two levels this is the 117 so I squeeze the chart so I can see more um, again it's kind of like that G5 flying over the stadium um, so now let's expand this a little bit let's go to two hours maybe that give me some more room All right, so why did I choose these levels? Because you have evidence of buyers. Wick, 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 wick. So this is a level to day trade, the 1.17. Why did I choose this level? Uh, you have a wick here. But I also looking at the structure, price structure over here. Wick here. Here's the cool part. This is where Catman comes in. Resistance, support, but I look at it as supply and demand. 
So let me give you my analysis. So we have a rally, base, rally, pullback until this demand on the two hour shoots higher. You have a basing, drop, base, drop, takes out this former demand, which means that the sellers are in command. This is a base, basing, so you got a drop, base, drop, pulls back. This is demand now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, supply now, which was former demand, which is why price stopped going high and started going lower. So, well, Ron, yeah. why, when, at what point does that switch from demand to supply? Great question. When this basing breached this demand, it became supply. Yep. But Great. also, reason why it breached this demand was when it pulled back to the original demand. It filled some, all, most of the unfilled buy orders. So when price came back down, there was very little unfilled demand orders remaining. More supply, which is why price dropped. That makes sense? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and it essentially went through a support level, so to speak. Yeah. Right, right in the middle there. It's, it's that first pullback that filled all those orders and now it came back down and I mean whatever was left it filled because you could you get the one candle with the lower wick but instead of bouncing it uh, didn't have any more demand so down through your demand zone it went yeah and you know it's tomatoes it's tomatoes you know it's demand supplies resistance support Fibonacci trend lines um, well what's also good though when it broke through that level look where it bounced pretty much next support slash yeah demand zone yeah at least on that time frame yeah and if i was to put a a market profile which looks at volume at a particular price level squeeze this up a little again and just looking at this picture you had a lot of trading here so when price came down, it was at least going to pause because um, this was, was, I don't know, um, uh, you could say this was equilibrium, if you want to say, right? You want to say this was uh, 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 price out of balance, you could say price out of balance here, um, you know, but you have, again, it's the range. So I would say prices at fair value, right? If we were to mark up this chart like we discussed in the past, uh, different color here, shoes yellow. Uh, let's do 
Let's do one more. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. All right. So if you break up this sideways price action, and the reason why I like to trade the extremes is because I can say down here, price is cheap. It's at wholesale prices, and I want to be a buyer. Up here, price is expensive. It's at retail prices. I want to be a seller. Uh, this line here, I would say price is at fair value. You know, from this pink dotted line to this yellow dotted line, price is a little cheaper. But for my money, I'd rather buy when price is the cheapest. Um, from this pink line to this yellow line, Price is starting to get expensive now, um, but I'd rather wait until prices become ex a bit more expensive before I consider selling. All right, so that's um, how I look at the currency markets. Um, we're going to go to segment two, which is uh, equities. And this is last week's report. I look at all the major world indices relative to the SPY, which is the bellwether of the equity markets in the world. Um, and what I always do in the reports is I compare where things are relative strength relative to two weeks ago, because I only do this once a week. So it should be no surprise that relative to the SPY, the NASDAQ is at the top, right? You know, primarily because of the FANG stocks. Um, it's no longer a surprise to me that the Shanghai now has moved up um, because a couple of weeks ago, um, the government put out a report saying the most important thing is the equity markets. And you had a, a, a shit ton of people buying, you know, from hedge funds to retail, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then I, I wrote a report saying that was time to, to sell. And uh, price did retrace. Um, I'll have to find that at some point. Um, it's a surprise to me that the DAX is number three uh, because the German market is the largest uh, economy in Europe. Um, you know, so I would have expected it to be, you know, further down. Uh, in the U.S., Russell 2000, the weakest U.S. equity market. Oh, one of the weakest, I'm sorry. You know, the Dow is the weakest, which represents the industrials, which is only going to get weaker now when Apple splits. Um, but that's, another, that's for another post. Um, you have the Nikkei. Uh, 225, uh, the Nifty 50. So, and this is the uh, the FTSE 100 in the, in England. 
So when I look at this, I'm saying, okay, if I'm going to trade the U.S. equity markets, uh, well, I'm going to be a buyer of the NASDAQ. And when we have uh, overbought conditions, I want to be a seller of the Dow um, and maybe the Russell, right? So let's go to... So within the U.S. markets, you have what they call, you know, various sectors. Uh, one of the famous ones is the spider sector, and I do this weekly as well, where I look at all the sectors relative to uh, the S&P. And when I look at what we have taking place this last week, um, I guess how would you guys interpret the markets based on this relative strength how would you guys interpret this i mean what would you say how would you tell a story what story would you tell you know my daughter who's uh 12 years old what would you tell her based on looking at the relative strength of this chart right here new stuff is good old stuff is bad exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, elaborate on that what do you mean what uh tech companies Growth companies like Apple are great things to buy right now, are great things to hold at least before. And older stuff like real estate, traditional financial companies, energy, not the stuff you want. That's a cool way of um, saying it. That's that's a really cool way. I like that. Um, Neil? I was actually going to say tech versus legacy. Okay. All <laughs> right. Kat? Um. <clears throat> Within that, I mean, obviously, the theme we already know is, is proven by this. I mean, tech has been leading the market. Utilities are lagging. But also notice healthcare is in the mix and on the positive side because the impact of old is what's helping with uh, helping healthcare. So in that, in that aspect, um, I'm buying old, but specifically for healthcare. And that's because of the you know huge baby boom, baby boomer population aging. Okay. So, how I interpret this is okay. Here's a question for you guys: Why is consumer discretionary a seven? When you have toilet paper. When you, when you have, <laughs> uh, you know, discretionary disposable income. Um, you got what? I don't know. Twenty plus million people laid off. Ooh, ooh I know. Because the Federal Reserve dropped three trillion into the system and gave people eight hundred dollars a week to not work. <laughs> one, uh, that's a good one. But then, why are the restaurants struggling? Because they're not open. Closed. Yeah. So think about that, uh, Ron. Right. So if people are spending less money at restaurants, which I don't even know that that's true because there's a lot of restaurants that are destroying it right now doing pickup and takeout only. Um, but let's just say the restaurant industry on a whole has made less money. Well, guess what? Where did that money go? It probably went to, hey, I'm trading on Robinhood now. Hey, I'm buying a new iPhone. You know, hey, I'm buying stuff on Amazon left and right. Like the tech companies we just talked about that are crushing it. Well, that's where that money ended up going. Or even things like, I mean, Hey, I'm doing Zoom calls. Hey, I'm buying a Peloton. Um, what else is there? Just, you know. Well, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a subtle factor here that 
I'd, I'd have to look to be 100% certain, but I'm 95% sure Amazon is in the consumer. There you area. go. There you go. Ah. There you go. So it's a consumer that acts like a tech company. There you go. There you go. So nice. I, wrote a post, I wrote a post about this a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, you missed out on Amazon. You know, don't fret. You can still own them. Buy the XLY. So when I look at this, um, here's a intermarket analysis big picture of what I see. I think it's very interesting that materials um, is at a three, right? Uh, materials represents commodities, um, the dollar's dropping, uh, uh, commodities are inverse to the dollar. Um, there must be some type of growth going on in the world. Uh, maybe China, you know, U.S. Um, if the U.S. passes the infrastructure bill. Um, so you know, that violence, does that sector include gold? Um, there are some companies, good question. There are some companies within this ETF. So we'll, we'll look at that. That's, that's a great question. Great question. Because, so, you know, in my eyes, commodities, you have, you know, silver, gold, copper. So, yeah, it all makes sense. Uh, when I look at healthcare being a one, I'm saying, okay, it's a risk off environment. Um, when I look at staples being a negative one, it's saying it's a risk off environment. Risk off meaning um, it's time to go long, the equities. Um, what else we got? When I see utilities at negative seven, I'm saying it's a risk off environment, right? Utilities act as dividend type stocks. Um, when equities are selling off, people are still looking for a return, which is why they buy bonds, which is why they buy utilities. Um, so what this is telling me is that, um, Although the, the U.S. equity markets might might be overvalued, might be um, overextended, might be overbought, it's still time to go long. And you know, the U.S. equity markets, the sectors, they remind me of the Titanic, where um, it's not going to turn at a flip of a dime. So I've been doing this analysis for about a year and what you'll see over I don't know maybe three to six weeks when I see these numbers starting to flip-flop that's when I know okay um, I might want to become more defensive um, you know. so so you don't you don't take those extremes as or those relative strength extremes at the time to be contrarian Great question. Um, no, so I'm I'm looking to in this case, you know, tech, right? I'm looking in this case. What's my strongest market? I want to be a buyer on pullbacks, right? But it also depends, uh, Neil. Um, it depends on where they are at on the chart. So, um, let's take for example, um, XLK. 
That's also, I mean, not your style. Great question. That's a great question. Because that would be like, you know, for you, almost like counter trend trading, which isn't your style because, you know, you're buying that weakness. But, you know, I guess you could look at the chart to see potential spots where it can turn, but you're still getting in before that shift has happened, which I don't think is your style. But, I mean, this is, and those this is Cal's style. This is Cal's Cal could use this. There you go. I just like it. Dude, I'm going to start looking at that just to recognize sector rotation because there's been a lot of chirping that, uh, you know, the, I don't know, managers are starting to do some sector rotation out of tech. Exactly. Really That's clearly, all it is. It's not, though. Like, based on that that evidence, it's, it hasn't but happened it, yet. But, it, but it, all right, but, 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 that, but you, you hit it in a nutshell. I mean, that's... That analysis that I do is is just sector rotation, and right now it's saying all the money's in, you know, Fang, and um, it's it's risk off. They took their money out of utilities, and and uh, you know we'll look at it again because the financials now is is also important. We'll look at that real quick. But this is the XLK. Um, to your point, Neil. Yes, it is overextended, overbought. Um, but this is a monthly. Man, that's got a credit. Spread bear call right now, yeah. and somehow, I'll, somehow I'll still lose. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazy. So, damn, that's like—is that Bitcoin in 2018? <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's how I would trade it, personally. Uh, you know, when prices broke the all-time high, um, I'm not a breakout trader per se um, but when price broke this all-time high this became now demand it was supply base broke out my demand I want to be a buyer here if I get a pullback um, there's a report I do from time to time I do every Monday where I'm looking at just the XLK and the XLF, which represents about 40% of the SPY. So if those two sectors are moving higher, markets are going higher. But in any case, uh, I like the fact that price broke these pivots, highs. I got a, I got a rally, I got a base, rally, pull back, buy, go with the trend, right? Give you another opportunity to go along again, right? Off to the races. Now, got a gap. I don't like to buy when prices are high. I'm saying 108. 110 area, go long. Go long. You're right until you're not. If this is going to reverse, medium to longer term, I want to see... I want to see this area broken. And I want to see that area broken. Otherwise, I'm going long. Because... Um, I'm a salmon and I know if I swim upstream, I'm just swimming to my death. 
Well, I mean, and there's a clear uptrend. Just glance at the chart. I mean, there's a clear uptrend. It's right at the tippy top of it at the moment, but it's in an uptrend. I mean, this is a forward chart. This is going back to the March lows. I mean, even if you don't read uh, price action, use the moving averages. Tell you when to get in and when to get out. Yep. Can't beat that. Now let me just go back to that report real quick because this is this is also um, worth noting. So the financials negative seven. Um, they don't make money when interest rates are are low, right? They make money by um, giving you pennies and then charging you dollars uh, for loans, all right? So uh, what's interesting, though, is Buffett's been buying um, a lot of Bank of America. Um, you know, I don't know how many years he has left, but um, he's probably buying f for the long haul. Um, you know, Buffett owns a lot of uh, financials because of the dividends. Um, you got this whole stress bank thing, and you know these banks are may not may not be able to uh, continue giving out the dividends that they've had, um, which is an eyesore for anybody that invests in the banking sector. So, you know, so that's interesting to watch and follow. If we Ron, go, from, yeah, you saw what Buffett's largest holding is right now. What is it? Well, Apple. Apple, Apple, right? <laughs> Crushed it with Apple and made made up for like all the other I guess poor choices at least short term. But that's like think about that. You got everyone's on Apple. All the Robinhood traders, all the everyday traders, all the you know uh, most of the hedge funds, and even Warren Buffett is it's, it's it's bananas. Yeah. So who are they going to sell to? Yeah. Well, so that's why when the if at some point the tide turns, that thing is going to it's going to move which I thought was going to happen on the earnings announcement, but somehow they destroyed it like everyone else. <laughs> I don't know a single person that got a new iPhone, but somehow I guess they did use their unemployment checks for iPhones after all. You know what it was? Fall on for, uh, for Apple earnings. Doesn't feel good. Hey, I got, I got, I got killed too. We all got wrecked along with the, <laughs> along with the tasty trades guy. That was, yeah. that was entertaining watching that. I'm like, well, at least he's getting wrecked too. <laughs> I'm part of the party. I got I got killed too, but I learned I learned a lot from that, and I actually applied it to my uh, bear call spreads that I had on uh, AMD and Facebook, where um, I was taking the L. I just closed my short, and I wrote wow. momentum with my long. That's smart. I saw you had, you had posted that, and I was like, hmm, I should have maybe considered doing that. Instead I, I, of just I think. The whole thing. <laughs> You you guys have been nuts for for trying to short into tech earnings. <laughs> okay. hey, well, hold on. Probabilities. No, it's not. <laughs> this, but this also goes back to what I said from the beginning with the credit spreads. When I used to do it back in the day, I avoided very true earnings very at true. all costs. Very and then true. Somehow, I don't even know. I got roped into the in. You guys got me drinking the Kool Aid and. Very true. Very true. I mean, a lot of these companies, though, they're reporting bad. Like, I've traded, I probably traded like 15 earnings in the last like one to two weeks, and and uh, a lot of them are reporting bad earnings, and then their stock goes up. They report good earnings, their stock goes down. 
It's like, <laughs> well, and that's what I saw too okay. was that, you know, like Tesla was an example. Um, you know, awesome earnings gapped up, but then it sold off the next two days. So I was just like, all right, now this might be a trend. And I saw it with some other companies. So I figured between Apple, Facebook, you know, Amazon, well, not probably Amazon, Google, that one, two out of the four is probably going to have that, hey, we're going to gap up and then we're going to sell off. Um, and not so much. I mean, maybe the first hour, which luckily I was able to do some day trading puts to offset the damage, but um, somehow they all crushed it. They all went higher and they're all staying higher. We're in, we're in a hot money environment. You got to... Uh, yes. Take that as, as, as the quote goes, a day trader once said many, many years ago, when people were complaining about the market going up and it made no sense, he looked at everyone and said, yo, bull market, bro. <laughs> so here's my take on earnings. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, what I try to do is, um, yeah, I, I like to, I'd like to focus on my winners to see what I'm doing right. But I also like to try to focus on my, my losers to see, you know, what could I have done differently? But, you know, to your point, Cal, my interpretation is, um, those companies that announced good earnings and then dropped, they were overextended. Um, you know, they rose prior to earnings because um, they were the it companies, but the earnings didn't match the overhyped expectations, um, which is why, you know, price may have dropped. Uh, when companies announce bad earnings, they're probably giving, well, no, no, very little companies are giving guidance, but um, the Wall Street saying, "Okay, it's not that bad. We expect it worse. Let me buy now, in anticipation of the business coming back in 2021." So I just had a thought: if you don't issue guidance, isn't everything a beat? Yeah, that's a good. Point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, there's no expectations. You you. You, you are banking on the, the business turning around in the future. So, so great point. Great point. So this is um, the XLF represents the financials. Um, That's amazing to see that uh, two, three week hard dip. Is that, is this, what, are you looking at a monthly? Okay. It's so a monthly, yeah. Right. I thought, I'm sorry, I thought you were looking at a weekly. So I was like, huh, when did that dip happen? No, but, you know, check this out. This is, um, you know, th this is interesting. So, again, the equity markets are not going to go higher unless, we already know about tech, but unless the financial sector um, turns around, uh, I shouldn't say turn around, but goes higher as well. But, but hold on. But why? The market has been going higher without financials. I know that's not normal, but I'm just saying. But why? It has been going higher without financials. Because um, the financial sector only represents, say, fifteen uh, percent of the SPY. But I'm going to assume it's probably—I don't know this for a fact—but I'm going to assume it's less than it probably was in years gone past. Um, considering that, I'm going to—I'm going to say it was less because I believe tech has taken exactly some yeah. of that some of that pie. Tech is uh -huh. taking the pie from everybody, I think. Yeah. But, you know, it's, 
you know, so you got NASDAQ tech, you know, but with SPY, it cannot sustain higher prices without the banks. But what's interesting, and I know we're only a week into August, um, but, you know, the August candle is green. So that's a that's a good sign. Right. Um, but if we go down to the daily, you know, it's still it's still sideways. And even if it does rally, well, it's an opportunity to sell. You know, so I in condors, right? But it's not a dollar volatility, so you're not going to get a lot of credit, which is why then you go into like a J.P. Morgan or Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or uh, Bank of America. Um, let's just look at Bank of America since Buffett's been buying a ton of uh, shares. It mimics, right? It mimics the XLF. So, um, what I see here is an opportunity to sell Bank of America um, at the, I don't know, 28 level. Um, now, when I was putting on iron cardinals in the past, you know, I would put it on where price was in the middle. So, uh, if I continue down that rat hole with, with Cal, you know, I'm going to start putting them on, say, in this case, a bear call uh, when price is closer to, you know, what I'm deeming as uh, supply. That way I can collect um, a larger premium um, and use my edge in anticipation of price, you know, pulling back. So, all right. So that's, um, oh, so let's go into a couple of sectors I wrote down. This might be interesting. So the XLY, which represents the discretionary, and they'll hit it on the head. You have Amazon. I think it's 25% of the sector itself. 25% of the XLY is Amazon. Amazon with a triple-digit PE ratio. <laughs> Um, I wrote down a couple other things. I think, uh, I think Cal was in, uh, I think he's out of his, uh, footlocker spread. All right, yeah. Cal, you out? Yeah, I'm out. So I traded like five or six spreads in footlocker. And, and, and yeah, I mean, um, you know, you got, yeah, why not? Right. It's just been range brown since, uh, June. Um, you know, here's a nice area to put one on at. Uh, let me just change that color. You know, uh, may not get a lot of premium, but you know, anything below 22. Um, and then ideally, I would just put ideally anything above 36, but you, you you're not probably, probably not going to get a lot of premium. You got to get closer. But why not? Why not? Why not? Good. Why not play? Why not play the Rangers? Now, what I put on the Iron Condor. I mean, what I put on a, a bull put now. Uh, let's look at earnings. Uh, August twenty-first. So you got uh, about two weeks. 
Um, that's just out of curiosity. If we drill down to the four-hour chart. See, now me, I would have preferred it if price was here, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm bearish. I would be bearish. Uh, you buy a bull put, you are somewhat um, bullish. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not. So, but here's one where if you're going to put on one, you want to put one on below 25. It's at 27 right now. You might be protected by this little rally base. Rally, retest. So $25, anything, maybe 24, 20, 23. So the question know. is, to someone that puts on that trade, if it breaks your support line or whatever, that, you know, the yellow dash line, if it breaks that, do you close out the trade and take the smaller loss? So here's what I've learned. Um, it depends, right? You know, you can, you can, it depends. It de what, what would I do? Um, what would you do, Cal? Uh, well, now I'm thinking about doing a uh, selling a bull put spread. Right, but, but in in yeah, in, in, no, in, so cat, bull, in cat's yeah. in cat scenario, you have the bull put on, right, and then price goes below that that support line, the yellow, you know, the lower yellow line. And once it goes through that, now it's like, all right, crap, it's through the level that essentially was, you know, keeping me safe. Um, do I get out, take a small loss, or do I just let it ride and see what happens? Because now that it's through that support level, it could easily go below your strike price and become become a loss. So it's that's. I'll tell you what I'll do after Cal after Cal uh, responds. Well, I know what Cal will so, do. He'll probably put on another spread uh, <laughs> as a bear call spread and turn it into a condor. <laughs> so, I mean, that's his answer to everything right now. Condor. So uh, what I've been doing. Cause I had Apple and square both go against me. So they both went through my short strikes. So what I did with those is uh, those were bear calls. Um, so those were for eight twenty one expiration. So I rolled those out to nine eighteen. So I rolled them out for another month. And then I also rolled the strikes up um, for a little bit. Uh, one of them was for a credit. The other one was for a little bit of a debit. Um, and then I sold puts against them, turned them into iron condors. So I would do the a, same thing for Foot Locker. So if it went through the short strike on the, I was I'd be doing a bull put. It goes through the short strike, then I would roll it out and then sell calls against it. And there's no there's no right or wrong answer. Um, it's all about risk management, right? So what I would do is, I personally would not trade it until uh, we're closer to earnings or right after earnings. Obviously, as we get closer to earnings, volatility is going to increase. You can collect a, a bigger premium, and then that's when you got to play the probability game. Um, I would, if I was to trade it before earnings, is put on a bear call. Um, in anticipation that price may drop, um, I then would put on a, a bull put after earnings, assuming that um, price is not going to go any any further, right? Um, that's what I would do. Um, and it's very similar to what I did with Intel, if I back up. Oops. Sweet, play some chess. Um, 
what's a better maybe the maybe the weekly shows it. But that foot locker, I would also maybe wait for price to break that support. Not saying it happens, but if it does, it breaks that support and then put on a bear call right at that support level. A bear call? Yeah, so you can't think about it. It's right at that support. Let's say Let me go back. Push, let's say it pushes under it, right? Okay, go ahead. What are you saying now? All right, so like you know, it's sitting at that support level. You know, it's been in that it's been in that range. Yeah. So it closes below whatever that price is. I can't really read. Yeah. Um, Twenty six five. Okay, so it closes below that, right? Yeah. Now technically, it's a broke support, right? Yeah. So you could sell a bear call right there at that nearest strike, which is going to give you good credit because you're basically selling at the money, but it just broke support, so you're expecting it to go down, right? And, yep. and 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 possibly to the demand zones. And then if, if it basically doesn't stay below the support, if it closes above it, you know, if it breaks back above it, then boom, I, I you know, I can just get out, take my small loss. But it's a way to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever, use the move to your advantage where you can get the most credit because- What's your- and I would, I would do that too, if there was room for price to move lower. Um, the way I'm looking at it is that uh, this is potentially setting up to be a bear trap. And you could be right, and that's what. And again, I mean, it could easily go against me, but I'm just saying, like, that would be a way for. All right, where am I getting into this? So I, I can get to a bull put, and if it breaks support, that sucks. But I could just sit on my hands, and if it breaks support, it's like, all right, sweet, it just broke support. Maybe it's going to go lower. I'll put on a bear call at that at the money strike price, therefore getting a better credit. Like I got you. Yeah, yeah, I got a situation you. Situation so, where I can maybe get fifty cents on the dollar. So now I'm risking even money with a two and three chance of being right because yeah, yeah, stock, yeah. if the stock just goes sideways below support, like even if it gets to your your bear trap level, let's just say it gets there and then ends up consolidating there for a week then I still win. Yeah, I'm with you. And you also probably looking at a one to two week out. Um, oh, 100%. Two right? Weeks exactly. out. right, right, right. And you right. said the earnings were, uh, I think, two weeks out. I looked at yeah. the date. Um, so, yeah, August 21st. Yeah, so that, that trade would be two weeks or less. And again, yes, that's um, it's good you mentioned that. Yeah, um, two-week time frame is what, or less is what I have in mind. Right. Yeah, I think Cal likes, I think Cal likes two months. I like a month. Well, I, like I mentioned, it, uh, I think uh, in chat um, on the server, um, what Cal's doing is he's going like a month and a half to two months out, and he's not holding the trades for operation for the most part. Correct. Once they give a move in the direction he's looking for, he'll close it out, book the profits. And I've been poking around at that because I kind of like it. I was always of the kind of like all or nothing mindset where right. I'm going to do, do a spread two weeks out, and it's either I'm going to be right or I'm going to be wrong. And that's it. Gotcha. As opposed to, you know what, let me sell further out. Let time premium work on my, you know, in my favor. And if I do get a move in the correct direction, I can close out that trade, take partial profits, get rid of that risk, right? You know, uh, as much sooner. So yeah, um, I'm starting to do that a little bit. Um, when, when you guys don't have me gambling on earnings. <laughs> <laughs> and so just one more stock within the XL, what is the XLY? Which is interesting is uh, Ford. 
uh, and I just look at the big picture. Ford was my my big winner early this year when I shorted it at nine, wrote it down, and along with the markets, as Ford started going up, um, it just got to the point where I said, you know what, I'm getting out. So, you know, I was up 600%. I think I got out at 300%. Um, but now Ford is at a, a critical level. Um, and why is Ford moving higher? You know, to Kat's point, you know, Fed is, is bailing, is buying their bonds. Um, so, you know, if Ford breaks, this is interesting. So you got, you got weekly demand. I'll just call it weekly supply, right? Here's an, op here's an opportunity <laughs> to put on a iron condors or whatever. Um, you know, now Ford doesn't really kind of move. It doesn't move like a square or something like that. So what I'm learning is that, um, if I'm putting on these credit spreads, I'm putting them more on stocks that, um, are less of the hair and more of the, the tortoise style. So, um, Ford is at 680, 686. I love this. Uh, if I can get, I can find something at 550 um, below six for a bull put, and around eight, eight-ish for a a uh, a bear call. Um, because Ford doesn't move a lot, you probably got to go out three months. Um, but me personally, um, more than a month is too long for me because anything can happen. So, um, so that's X L Y. The other sector I wanted to look at was, uh, X L C, right? That was the communication sector. Anybody know who's, who's in the X L C? AT&T, Verizon. Yep. Netflix and Google. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. So what's interesting is that, uh, And Netflix is one I don't trade. I just I just don't trade. But what I'm saying is that um, Netflix is a buy um, below, uh, say, two fifty, two forty. It's a buy, All right? And what I'm saying is that on Google, I think I'll always call it Google. I'll never call it Alphabet, but. Um, <laughs> old school to me. Huh? Um, what's interesting is that on Google, they reported earnings, I think what, this week, last week, and uh, they got beat up a little bit. They were the only fang stock to sell off after earnings because uh, their ad spending declined, which makes sense, right? You know, you got the all, you got the Black Lives Matter movement on Facebook and, you know, that's benefiting uh, Snapchat um, and some others. But nevertheless, um, they sold off after announcing their earnings. But what's interesting about the chart is, so my, my yellow is representing monthly demand in this case. Uh, my red is representing weekly, in this case, supply, right? So we're at a critical juncture um, with the price in, Nef in uh, Google. Although this candle closed above the weekly supply you got all this basing here right now so you got indecision um, I don't know where where the next leg is 
Um, if I zoom down to the daily. Okay, here's what I like. Um, I mean, you got sideways, but what quickly comes to my my eyes is this daily demand below a weekly supply. Uh, usually the higher time frame outweighs the lower time frame. But in this case, you had weekly supply breached. What I also see is a potential uh, bear flag setting up. So when I do all these things and I'm not seeing, I'm seeing a hodgepodge of different things going on that's not giving me any type of clue, it's a no touch. Yeah. It's a no touch. So um, even if price breaches this daily demand, you know, it might stop at this pivot you know i don't know so it's a no touch i don't trade google um i don't know yeah so let me tell you a quick google story <laughs> uh back when it ipo'd in 05 or 06 whatever it was i was day trading at the time still and i i i knew this was coming out they were ipo'd at 100 and i was like people are going to act on google like it's the comeback of the dot-com boom, which was a few years prior that had gone bust, obviously. And I had this, I had this narrative in my head and I put every penny I could margin into Google and I bought 4,000 shares at 100. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off for a minute. I'm, I'm a little jealous because I was saying, I'm not buying that at 100, that's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, so it opened at 100, and I was one of the first fills, and then it immediately dropped to 95, and <laughs> then it halted for like a half hour. Uh, so, uh, because I was not managing my risk well, it, you know, it rebounded like 101, and I and I uh, I sold for a small profit, day traded it a couple times the following, and um, but then just kind of lost track of it because I didn't have that that strong global picture in my mind, like you're talking about here. So uh, it's, you know, had I retained a fraction of those shares, obviously I would have made out a, like a bandit. But, uh, you know, but because I didn't have the big picture and because I didn't have the risk management skills, I couldn't stay in the trade. And uh, those are hard lessons to learn. You know, here we are 15 years later, it would have been $6 million worth of stock. <laughs> You know what's cool? The the market always gives you opportunities. Yeah. And the the unfortunate part is that um, we're starting to uh, time is starting to work against starting to, starting to work against us. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> but you can't get back to time. So the lessons yeah. we've learned, it's like, all right, how do I take advantage of it now? Right. Um, but yeah, that's the plight of a day trader. I mean, you know, I'm sure Neil's got more stocks like that. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I remember day trading Facebook when it first IPO'd and you know, several others. And it's just like, wow, I should have just bought it and disappeared for a decade. And yeah. I'd be, and I'd be set. Yeah. I but swear. you know, so, 
you know, when, when you have these, these insights, because, you know, everybody has, has their own life, different people know different things. I got a buddy of mine who works in network security. And when, um, when, um, one of the, when the virtual machine businesses started IPOing, you know, I asked him about it. I said, well, like, what do you, what do you think about these, these kind of services? And, you know, you know, he has insider industry knowledge and he's like, oh yeah, you know, they're great. Everybody uses them, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, you should buy some stock because you know about this. Of course, he ignored me, but uh, that you know would have <laughs> would have worked out for him. So uh, the the point is, when you, when you have the insight into into whatever it is you know about, then you have to trade, set yourself up in a way that you can withstand the the market vagaries, and and ride that long term trend that that you have insight into. And that's what I'm also learning as well is that you know I I, I um. I look for uh, unusual option activity, and um, uh, I have more success and/or I'm more comfortable following them in the sectors that I follow. Mm. You know, but when they come out with some, you know, they're buying some weird company that I never heard of. Um, I may dabble, um, but I may get out sooner if it goes against me because I I don't understand the business, only to see it go in their favor. You know, so, you know, yeah, you know, add on to sectors that you, you understand and know, you know. Um, so this is the last thing I got on my list. Um, and you were right, Neil, um, that, that what I say, five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the currency segment went, went faster before, before I came in and started uh, slowing things down. Oh, no, it's all good, man. This is all, it's all all good so this is um this is probably the again i'm a macro guy um i call this the intermarket analysis um big picture um of the world what's going on in the world and this is another post i do weekly and uh I'm, i compare gold bonds bitcoin the euro dollar uh spy copper i added soybeans to represent the ag agriculture and then oil energy took me a and, second uh, to realize why 30-year bonds are so strong and i'm like oh yeah duh rates keep going down so the price yep. of the bond keeps going up yeah exactly I explain this to somebody being up in new york it's like i see my friends and they start asking me about financial stuff and i give them quick breakdowns and i actually just discussing about that in terms of you know how because i guess a lot of them are worried about how much stocks they have especially like you know friends of my parents with large 401ks and they're yeah. going to be retiring in like three years. Yeah. And I'm like, well, normally I tell you to reduce your exposure in stocks and increase your you know, exposure in bonds. But the problem with that is if interest rates ever turn around, you're going to get smoked on the bonds because right. the prices start cascading. That's so a great I like, point. I don't know where to, like, they were like, it's like, where, where's the flight to safety? I'm like, that's a great point. You know, I didn't think about that. You're right. So that's a great point that yeah, bonds, that's a yeah. Where do you put? You don't want to be in cash because the dollar's going down. That's what I'm saying. So like, either if you want safety, you put it in a freaking treasury bill so you can hopefully yes. break even against inflation. Yeah. But now you have no upside. So I mean, and unfortunately with 401ks, you don't have the opportunity to hedge because like my advice to all of them was, all right, how much is your portfolio worth? Okay, spend whatever it is, five thousand dollars on some, you know, leap puts on the S and P 500. There you go. You're hedged. But you can't do that in a 401k and no one's going to open a regular brokerage account and do that like your regular mom and pop. 
and just, you know, put on that position themselves. But so I looked at it, I'm like, how much is it going to cost you to protect your portfolio? 1%, 2%, 3%? Like, and that's like uh, a friend of mine that I know through real estate, he's actually a financial uh, advisor. He's got a product now where you can basically leverage, you can borrow against your stock portfolio at 3%. And I was just like, that's genius. Because if I had a large stock portfolio that I wanted to protect, I would take that loan and I would use that money to hedge my portfolio. And it's only cost me 3% to do that. Sounds good to me. I would just tell them to buy GPTC. There we go. Well, thank God Bitcoin's going up because it's offsetting my losses in my S&P short that I have with Bitcoin. There you go. Hey, Neil, what do you know about, what do you guys know about um, annuity index funds? uh, Index annuities. Um, Yeah, so index annuities are an insurance product. And the, the, the sales pitch is that you can participate in an index like the S&P 500 or whatever. And uh, usually they'll bracket you. So like they'll give you up to 10% of gain per year. And if, if the mar- if the market goes up 20%, then, the, then that extra 10, the insurance company keeps, but they also bracket you on the bottom where, um, you know, they'll, they'll limit you to like either no loss. So if the market goes down 10%, you lose zero. Um, or you know maybe a two percent loss or, or some some kind of structure like that. Every contract is different, but um, it is it is interesting. the The issues that come up with them is the the insurance because it is an insurance product and yep. uh, continue. So a lot of them are 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 structured such that it's a one year term policy each year, and the problem with that is that you're term insurance gets more expensive the older you get because you're closer to death, whenever that might be. But on an actuarial basis, the insurance, the insurance portion grows over time and it can, it can invert the policy such that you are no longer receiving money and you are now paying money into it to keep it active. So there are, there are gotchas that you have to work out with a really competent uh, insurance person uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. So. Yeah, I have a, um, I have one. I have a you know, life insurance index annuity, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's. Uh, I figured I would get into one versus having a short-term insurance policy where you know I'm paying into it, and then if all goes well, um, after twenty or whatever years, um, it served its purpose, but I get nothing in return. At least mm-hmm. with this, uh, this uh, uh, index uh, life insurance annuity. You know, if all goes well, um, you know, I'm, I'm capped on the bottom if the market falls and I get to participate in yeah. the market as it goes up. But after 20 years, you know, um, I paid, I pay out, uh, I don't know how much it is, but I'll also get back maybe a third or, or uh, you know, of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got a couple of riders in there as well. Um, uh, I got into it several years ago and uh you know uh, i just figured it was a better alternative than you know term life insurance yeah i mean term is you know you're renting insurance and hopefully (laughs) hopefully you lose all your money (laughs) um right Right. like so so like what i do with insurance is i do you know what's what's commonly called the infinite banking concept which is not not an 
not a, has nothing to do with the indexes. It's just straight cash values. And um, it's, uh, it's not an investment. It's just a place to store money. And, uh, but I could talk for like two hours on just that. So there are lots of insurance products that make sense for capital accumulation um, that uh, I think are, are underutilized by people. Yeah. So this is the last segment. This is inter intermarket analysis. Um, and where do these numbers come from? Um, you know, it was something I, I came up with and I'm just using moving averages relative to where prices above, below, or between them. And I came up with a numbering system. And um, what's been pretty cool to see is um, weeks ago, Bitcoin was, uh, you know, further down on the ladder. Um, but if we just go to the chart real quick for Bitcoin relative to the dollar, again, everything is in terms of uh, relative to the dollar. You know, we've seen just this this huge move from the you know March lows with the with the indices, um, and you know, as you see in some of the analysis, um, it's now starting to move with uh, gold. Yeah. Right. So, I actually recently moved up all my my Bitcoin bids on Coinbase. So I was at like seventy eight hundred and sixty five hundred as okay. my, my okay. bid, and I moved okay. those up to ninety eight hundred and eighty eight hundred. That makes that makes absolute sense because, uh, uh, and we can look at the chart. Um, you know what was key? I think Cat uh, made a post a couple of weeks ago, and I think I responded saying, you know, it had to break those had to break those wicks um, at, you know, 10,000 level, had to close above them. And on a weekly, you know, we finally closed above uh, 11K and I'm saying, okay, um, that's the, that's the bottom. That's the new, that's the new floor. Yeah. You know, 10.5. We're going to stay above 10.5. As long as you stay above 10.5, we're still, we're we're, we're bullish. I'm looking for one of those wicks down into the support range and then get the bid and rebound. Let's just go to let's, let's what we know happen. <laughs> we'll look at it. We'll look at uh we'll look at it. Um Okay, so yeah, so what was cool was to see, you know, Bitcoin was in the threes, I believe, from many weeks ago and it's just now it's it's with gold, it's with bonds, it's with Bitcoin. Um what's interesting is the Euro dollars at at seven, um only because the you the U, the US dollar has taken a hit. That's right. wild. The S&P 500 basically goes up every single day and it's getting on a relative strength basis beaten out by three other assets. So let's go to, let's see bonds. Just uh, a 10-year bond. Is that it? No, that's the yield. Uh, bear with me. I'll just go to the, I'll just go to the, uh, yeah. The ETF, which is the uh, represents the TLT, represents the twenty-year bond. Um, what I didn't realize is um, volatility is is inversely correlated to um, at least to uh, to bonds. So as bonds goes up, um, volatility goes up, and as bonds drops. Um, volatility uh, goes down. Um, I can't really think right now, but but 
I thought that was interesting, you know, for those uh, people that play options and things of that nature. Is this the 10-year? No, that's the yield. Give me a second, fellas. Let me find it. Here we well, go. He's uh, looking for that. Um, Here we go. Is anyone else surprised that the market was strong this week, considering the whole, you know, unemployment benefits ran out and everyone was freaking out about we can't let that happen. And then it happened and the market still went up. <laughs> we got a good jobs report. So it cancels out. Yes. There you go. Correct. Yeah. yeah we lost 30 million, but we gained two. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's fine. <laughs> but again, so we're working on a new stimulus bill too, right? Right. And, and, and I think, I think for that. and I think that's why, I think that's why. And, you know, because of that, I might get out of my, um, actually no, cause my, my Russell, 2000 bull call expires in two weeks and uh but i i'm thinking about getting out now in anticipation of the the next stimulus bill but so this is the 10-year note um this is the monthly and uh you know what's interesting is that um you know price broke the all-time highs um you know so people are putting their money um, into bonds um, as a safe haven. You know, uh, money's going into equities, but again, the bond market is 3x the equity markets. So, um, you know, there are no uh, there are no Robinhood traders uh, trading bonds. You know, the bond market is being traded by uh, the smart money, the hedge funds, the pensions, and so, in my opinion, they know what's coming or what's going on. The part that boggles my mind is that, you know, a, as bond prices go up, yield goes down, right? And yep. more or less, we're at 0% interest, uh, you know, on those bonds. Um, there might be, you know, a few basis points or whatever. But so, so at that point, effectively what you're doing is you're going long the dollar because you, you loan in dollars, you get paid back in dollars and no interest. So effectively you just have a dollar position. And... I just don't see why they are doing that. I mean, I know they have to put their money somewhere, so maybe there's there's some element of that. I think that's part of it. Like, it, it, like just so much liquidity. It's like, well, we have to stick this money somewhere. Yeah. Um, Nobody got fired buying bonds. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe maybe they're all just big believers in the dollar milkshake theory. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, it's it is interesting. Bonds is I don't really I don't really know a whole lot about bonds. I would like to. Um, because again, I think that's where where really all the action happens. Um and uh, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll read up a lot more about it. But and I'm talking about, you know, going down the rat hole with it with the municipal bonds and, and you know, uh the LIBOR, you know, thing uh in Europe. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, in any event. So this is the um the euro. Now I remember this drop. Um, this is a monthly now. I remember this drop. I remember it because I missed it. Um, and uh, this was in January 18, and it just it just collapsed. Um, and I thought we were going to uh, I thought we were going to parity. I still believe we're going to get to parity at some point. So, so, so you think that the dollar will move higher at some point? I just, 
maybe, maybe not. I guess it has to move higher for, you know, the euro to drop against it. But I just, I truly believe at some point we're going to see sub dollar uh, against the euro. We're going to see the euro drop below parity. Yeah. I am trying not to, um, I am trying not to state any longer where I believe things are going. Yeah, um, I mean, only, only, I, and only because in my case, only because I miss out on great trades. Yeah, it, it makes it personally makes you biased against what you're looking at at the chart. Right, so right. That's why I mean, like for instance, if we see it rally to monthly supply at, at one and a quarter. Yeah. I would probably look to put on a short just because of my belief, which I guess therefore you know is playing into my bias. Right. I mean, it's tough. You know, you, you, I cannot get away from fundamentals, right? But maybe that should, that should, that should be, I don't know, maybe a third versus technicals, which it should be maybe 66%. You know, I can't get yeah. away from the fundamentals, you know? So, so that's, that's the, you know, it broke this monthly trend line. And uh, how high does it go? Um, it has room to go higher, right? It has, which means that the dollar has room to fall. We saw on the monthly chart of the U.S. dollar, it, it, it can go down to 90. Um, it's at 93 now. So um, potentially, uh, if I was trying to put on a trade on the euro dollar, uh, see, I mean, coming into this area here, which, you know, yeah. maybe your, your upside. And we, we also noticed in the dollar that, you know, it was, it was, formed a, a, it was forming a double bottom. So, you know, um, I can't trade it, right? So that's that's the that's the the euro. The other one was uh, what's interesting. Let's go back back to that chart. I think you made, Ronald, you made a good point there too, though. You just said you can't trade it, and that's something that I think we all fall into. It's like we force trades, even when we don't think we're forcing trades to force some trades. Because the bottom line is, if you only took the best trades you would take you would t only take what i call the captain obvious trades yeah yeah and and they don't come along often yeah like if you had the ability to do that you could literally sit back and only make five trades a year because you'll get five you know you'll you'll get at least five cap captain obvious trades you know every year and i'm sure you can get more if you're looking in you know more than just stocks if you're looking at bonds as well if you're looking at commodities and you know who has the patience for that but if you do and you can put on the size you can have a sick win rate because we all know when those Captain Obvious trades come and they don't come often. I like that, Captain Obvious. So to your point, Mitch, um, you know, I was looking at, you know, um, they call it the fat tail theory. And, you know, most of your earnings are going to be from 10% of your trades. Um, yeah. And so I was looking at, at um, my accounts and I'm saying four was huge for me. The silver is turning out to be good for me, which I'm up 500% on. And I'm saying that, so I bought some Apple, I bought an Apple um, call option and I bought, uh, what's it called? Teladoc. And I'm saying, okay, um, you think these are going to be good, but you know silver's not done. Uh, why didn't you just put that money into silver why didn't you just add on to your silver position and i'm saying okay 
this is a high moment. You know, you got to just start trading less and just wait. Just just wait for your for those captain. What is it called? Captain what? Captain obvious. <laughs> just wait for those captain obvious trades. You know, um, so that's a, that's, a, that's a great point. You know, but it's a great point. Good. No. I was just I was just looking at the silver chart and it's and it's into its monthly uh, monthly supply zone now. Silver, silver, silver. So we're gonna talk about silver too, because silver was on the uh, was on my list. So I should go sell all my uh, silver uh, Australian little koala coins now. Well, no, not. I'm talking about physical. I'm just talking about paper trading. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, where's my medals? Keep well, I mean, hey, I know I'm up on that silver, so I mean, I could try and cash it out. Better than just sitting in my closet collecting dust. <laughs> so this is gold, right? Face. It's 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 it's. <laughs> I like your smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> it's overextended. You had this, uh, wow, uh, seven year base, yep. right? All right, so we're at all time highs. We, we took out this. Uh, Previous all-time high in uh, from uh, September 2011 uh, last month. So it's overextended. Don't chase. Um, wait till it pulls back to uh, about uh, say 1925 before considering going long. Let's just see if we can etch that out. This is the daily. Um, see if anything I like here. Uh, Maybe this area here. That's 1950. Let's just go down to a four four hour chart. Uh, see what's going on here. Um, is momentum uh, waning? Uh, very possible. Um, I would say that it's going to wane even more if it takes out this uh, four hour demand. Um, this is all sideways action. Um, go down here. Uh, I I like this level even more at 1900 um, um, so I would say you could take a first stab to go long um, at 1960 but I think the better level um, is 1900 I don't know if price will ever I don't know if price is going to get there but why I like this 1900 level on the forward chart is you have uh, evidence of buyers with that pivot low uh, I got, um, I call this a, a basin area, right? But why I like it is because it's below, um, this represents the previous all-time high um, from September 2011. So bigger picture, um, I like it because it sits, this is that level, 1900. It sits below the pivot high. So what I potentially would um, like to see potentially is a pullback and then before it moves higher and, you know, that would be a drop from, you know, almost a $200 drop, which is fine because I mean, I mean, it's just, it just skyrocketed, right? Uh, you got Goldman and others saying 2,500 and, and, and 3,000. Um, which means that, you know, the dollar will have to continue to drop, uh, which is very possible. You know, the more stimulus packages that are put out there, you know, I mean, 
So that's the that's gold. Um, let's look at the the biggest uh, ETF, GLD. Um, you know, very similar. Uh, price broke through this uh, monthly supply. Um, it's trading at all-time highs as well. Uh, do you guys, this is what else I look for. Um, and it's something that you guys can use or, you know. Do you see this, uh, you see that little wick, up wick, down wick? Sure. Do you see that? Everybody see that? Yep. That's the man. Let's go down a smaller chart. That represents basin. Rally, base, rally. Right? Let's just go down to a smaller. So that's what I look for. I look for wick over wicks um, as well. Basing. This is the, the daily. I'm a buyer here. Rally. You got the battle going on between the buyers and the sellers. Buyers won. Or you can say breakout. And you can buy the breakout, but you may get a pullback to the origin of the breakout. So on the GLD, go long, 184. Or uh, if I'm a cow, <laughs> I'm putting on, I would wait. Wait till price gets a little closer. Then yeah. put on a, uh, a bull put. I mean, I Actually, I already have. Uh, I not got an iron condor. <laughs> well, yeah, I got an iron condor. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe it. What's your What's your levels? Um, one ninety five, two hundred is the uh, the call side. Yeah, so yeah. I'm getting pretty close there. That wasn't good. One ninety five, and then one eighty five. September. Yeah, September. Okay. All right, you 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 look you looking good. What's your, yeah, what's as long as we don't break through uh, 195, I'm But good. you're looking good. So you probably earned, you had to earn something with this with this uh, this uh, shooting star. Let's pull back here. You earned something here. Uh, what's your, what's uh, on the low side? Uh, let's see. 180, 175. There you go, right there. Now you probably have that sixty-eight percent thing that, right? Yeah, that's how you base it off of. Yeah, good, right. good stuff, and good stuff. So, yeah, you made money on this one Friday. Um, yeah, Friday was good for me. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the week was not for gold. So, yeah. So you know, in any event. Let's look at um, silver. I, I wrote a post, right? I think I said I'm the biggest silver cheerleader oh, alive. Yeah. Um, so before we look at silver, let's look at the gold-silver ratio. That played out. We've been we talked about that a while yeah. back. How we said it's, which is why we saw that it's rally. It rallied. I think. Nine percent of the day, I think uh, this week. I don't know what it was. I don't know, but you know, this was where this eighty level silver was supposed to out, out 
outproduce, uh, outperform gold, but that wasn't the case, right? We shot all the way to 125, and then still silver started making this move as, um, you know, the ratio started dropping. Now, the historical average is, uh, say, 60. So this tells me that silver can still outperform gold, at least in the short term. Now, it's my belief that um, both will continue to rally. You won't, you won't lose out on either one, but, you know, you might be able to get a bigger pop for your money investing in silver. And one silver SLV, you know, we talked about this maybe two, three months ago, right? We said that was the ideal place to buy. I think I got in around, I don't know, 16, 17. Um, SLV hit my first target. Uh, it knit my second target. Hold on one second. It knit my second target. Um, pull back makes sense overextend it um, but it's, it ran into uh, whatever you want to call that right you know um, so I'll let you guys on a little secret right you know uh, Cal influenced me uh, Neil influenced me and Cat influenced me as well you know I now look at you know uh, support and resistance so when I look at this chart you know, I'm saying, oh, yeah, I see why it, it's pulling back a little bit because of this, these wicks here. Um, but it's overextended, too, right? So let's go to the daily chart. And where would I look to be a buyer? So I think Cal and I have on uh, bull puts. Um, I got in a week ago. I just followed smart money. And by doing that, you know, I missed out on making making some you know making butter money um yeah i think we see 21 again yeah I, so that would be that would be an area this is 20 22 yeah that'll be an area to buy you know if it pulls back um could it get there it's very possible you know i have no idea um all i can say is that uh if you if you look at the option chain on slv they keep buying um, calls. They keep, they, just, they just keep they just keep buying. And uh, there was a hundred thousand over a hundred thousand contracts bought um, in the SLV expiring in January at the twenty one dollar level. Um, and they just want to mimic the move of the stock itself, right? This is in the money. Um, so, you know, as uh, long as I see smart money continuing to buy, um, I should continue to buy as well, right? So let's look at my, my favorite silver miner company, Majestic. I wrote about this, uh, I don't know how long ago I did. Um, but I would be a buyer at along with silver right silver drops to that 21 level that means that majestic should also drop maybe it drops to 10 i'll be a buyer here now i really would love to play this with options um they're not a very liquid um, option um player um so uh so yeah i like options 
And then another one that I'm looking at is um, it's called Fortuna. And I haven't done any research on them. But they're another silver, uh, smaller player, but another silver miner that I'm going to look at. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So one other thing, right? Because I know my 15 minutes is up. Um, <laughs> oil. Right, oil. Oh, let's look at copper. I want to show you guys something. Because this is something that, um, like I said, you can always learn from something. So this is the monthly. Right? You know, the, the floor was two. Uh, I'll call it support resistance, 2.5. Uh, so why did price breach the daily supply? Why did it breach the daily supply I had? All right, let's let's go. Let's go to that on the daily. I mean, it worked depending on where you had your stop, but <laughs> that that would have been like a, a easily. I don't know. I think every tick is ten dollars, so uh, that's a lot of money for a yeah. stop. And if you've never heard before about Dr. Copper, uh, copper is a metal that's used extensively in building and industrial processes. So people consider it a, a, a bellwether of economic expansion if it's going up. So if people are buying copper, using it in industry, using it in building. That means people are more optimistic about the future. So um, it's, it's, it's a decent proxy for just overall economic activity. Great point. And it's odd that, you know, you you had this uh, tail off um, uh, before, or maybe during, as the U.S. dollar is forming that that W pattern. But let's look at the zone. And here's a nuance, a nuance in supply and demand. So why didn't the zone work? Um, and I'm I'm just speculating here. Because I got all this trading to the left of the zone, which represents um, uh, equilibrium. There may not have necessarily been a imbalance in supply and demand, although we had this huge drop. Right. So obviously, you know, your count can stand it. You put your stop over here. But not not when you do. Uh, not when you're trading uh, copper. Um, so now it's had this uh, huge red candle on Friday. Where am I expecting it to go? Um, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. So, uh, so let's look at oil real quick. Oil will be my last chart. I got a jet. Yep. Calling after that. So what's odd is that this is a daily. What's odd is that even on the the U.S. dollar crashed, um, oil did not spike up. And you know I think it's all being tied to, you know, what's going to happen with the global economy again. Um, because of uh, uh, the 1.1 uh, wave before the 
wave two, right, of COVID. I think that's why, you know, it hasn't really done anything. Um, but the levels to look to keep in mind, in my opinion, is uh, I'll say the $47 level. It's at 41 right now. And wow. the, the $32 level on the, on the downside. I just noticed that filled the gap and it's kind of consolidating. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Your great observation. Yeah. Interesting to see if it does push higher or if it's just uh, going to top out there. This was when um, we had that announcement that week at the weekend where um, Saudi said, you know what, Russia, you're going to pay for that. You're going to pay for not agreeing to this OPEC uh, production cut. I'm going to get you. Um, and then they had the collapse. What's cool is, though, USO, right? You had the Robin Hoods playing it. You had me playing it, too. Um What's cool is that since they got killed, they actually changed how they invest in uh, oil future contracts. Yeah. They no longer buy the bulk of it at the front month. They now spread it out over 12 months. So um, I would be more comfortable buying or going along the USO now versus before I was a strictly short the USO. Um, but same thing mimics it's mimicking uh, oil. You know, you got your uh, four hour supply four hour demand and that's it. One of the chart because I do have ag on here represented by soybeans. And the, if you want to follow Ag DBC, right? Invesco DB Commodity Index Tracking. Uh, let's go to a bigger picture. So, uh, now oil didn't just drop. I mean, the U.S. dollar didn't just 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 drop the last couple of months. It was they had this big drop uh, last month. But you can see that it's the monthly. Uh, Commodities bottomed in March. Indecision candle in, in April started moving higher in May. All right. So I actually looked at this. It's not very liquid in options. Um, but I think your upside is limited. Right now it's at 13, 17, you know, upside um, 14. Um, so, but. How could you have played this? I don't know. Let's see. If we go to a daily chart. Uh, oh, double bottom. Boom. You take this out here. This is how I trade the futures. Price comes into a, a larger time frame demand in this case. And then I go to a uh, uh, thousand uh, volume chart, tick chart, five minute, two minute chart. Patterns are the same. Right, it's fractorial, fractal, excuse me. But in this case, double bottom, takes out this, pull back, boom, go long. This is how I trade the futures. This is all I'm looking for. This is really cool. Really cool. In any event, that's my 15 minutes, folks. <laughs> 15 minutes of fame. <laughs>
I think we covered oh. every uh, every market under the sun. Let me do uh, Bitcoin real quick since we were talking about that crypto. Yeah, you had to tease me with Bitcoin. I was just dropping off. <laughs> Late for everything always. Mitch like, I got to get. Next uh, week, I'll be back home. I can hang out for four hours. <laughs> uh, weekly. It's sort of weekly. Yeah, I think this was the chart I had sent Cat uh, or I put on Cat's post. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are the we are at the beginnings of off to the races, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we were just right there. I mean, we'd like, ideally, you want to see a push up towards thirteen because on the weekly, you know, ten five doesn't even seem as as uh, prominent. I'd like to see it stay above uh, eleven or so on the weekly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh. It's a pretty chart. Anybody who's owns at least one Bitcoin, I'm not in that camp, unfortunately. Well, what's good too is if you look at prior some of the prior moves on the weekly, like we moved off the bottom, consolidated, and we're pushing like that move so far. Yeah, that's like half of a move just by eyeballing it. Maybe, maybe, maybe two thirds. Either way, though, like getting to thirteen is easily feasible by looking at prior yes. up moves. Yeah. Yeah. even like the one we had back in was that 2019 yeah so even if it mimics that and who knows we end up with those big wicks it still gives you an opportunity to do something up around 13 or so so i'm keeping my eye on the on that level maybe it even takes some profits depending on what the price action looks like yeah there's no way i'm going to get to one bitcoin just now uh, and um using uh d-city uh reports <laughs> Well, if the S&P keeps going up, I'm going to be less than one Bitcoin because I'm going to keep throwing money at it. <laughs> Stubborn. So, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, guys, I got to go. Yep, uh, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm done, too. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right, good fellas. Good, good seeing you guys. And, Likewise. Uh, yeah, hopefully next, next weekend we next can week. uh, get a good yeah. one in, and hopefully I can be on time, too. <laughs> all good, all good. Glad you can join us. All right, gents. Be safe out there. All right, all right fellas. You.